put your hands together for Jesus. Are you trusting in Him today? Come on. He's able to do it for you. Hallelujah. Remain standing, please. And let me introduce uh, a member of the family who's not had the privilege of preaching here before, which I don't know how that has happened, but I repent, Pastor Janelle. Pastor Janelle Morocco, I've known since she was a junior in high school or thereabouts. And uh, she, of course, grew up in the church. Her father's Dr. James Morocco, her senior pastor. She's a great woman of God by her own right and gone through tremendously educated. But more than, you know, you can have education that, that beyond your own intellect. How many of you know that that's, that could happen? She's anointed really more than all of that, but we respect the fact that she's gone through education, all the things that she's done. And she's been the executive pastor on Maui for six years. Thought it was longer than that. I bet it felt longer. Such intense ministry there. We were planted out of Maui and she's been the executive pastor there. She pastored us one of our extensions in Lahaina. It's over all of our counseling and now is uh, over our international works and has come to encourage us with the word of the Lord. Would you put your hands together for Pastor Janelle Morocco? Amen. What a joy to be here. I see some of my Hawaiian friends in the back there, so aloha. Hi. Now, in first service, they told me how you guys greet people. Hi. Hi. <laughs> it's easy. I like it. <laughs> you know, uh, Pastor Joshua and uh, Pastor Shannon, every time they come to Alaska, always boast of how awesome you are. And can I just say, anybody to go through that weather out there <laughs> and still love Jesus? You guys are awesome. I mean, people in Hawaii should all be saved because they live Hawaii. But here, you guys love Jesus. I am impressed. Well, open up your Bibles with me to Mark chapter 4. We're going to get into the word today. God's given me a word for you. Hallelujah. Mark chapter 4. Starting to read in verse 30. And if you're reading from the New International Version, why don't you read it aloud with me? Again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Everyone say kingdom of God. Kingdom of God. Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. And when it is planted, it grows and become the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. It is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. I pray, Lord God, that you would come and have your way in this service today. Come on, just begin to pray with your spirit right now. Lord, I pray right now for your people. I pray, Lord, that you would open up their ears to hear, their hearts to receive, their minds to be changed by your word. Oh, God, come. I pray for an anointing to be upon me, Lord God, that you would quicken my words. Lord, to speak what you want to speak for your people today. Touch us, oh God. We have come and gathered to feel your presence and experience you. Come, Holy Spirit, come. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. At the beginning of 2017, Dr. Morocco came to me and said, Pastor Janelle, I want you to take over the world. I was like, uh, what does that mean? What in the world does that mean? You want me to leave? You want me to go be president? What is it? No. What Dr. Morocco was talking about is he wanted me to take over all of our KC international extensions. So for 2017, I got to go visit seven, no, nine nations. It was phenomenal. And I got to go to the KC extensions. It wasn't just visiting a nation and prayer walking. No, I went to where we are and what we are doing. And it was phenomenal. I got to go to the Philippines. And right now, I believe we have over 50 extensions there in the Philippines. I was able to visit 15 of them. It took me two weeks. I had to bus hitchhike. That was not very fun. He would stand on the side of the road in the Philippines and wave down one of the gigantic buses. 
Praise Jesus. <laughs> oh, we got on the side of the road with a flat tire and didn't get mugged. Praise God. People were praying. Hallelujah. We got to go to Tahiti and Tonga and Fiji. Um, got to go to Canada, of course. And then my last trip was literally around the world. I got to go to Mexico and visit our extension there, and then to Barcelona, Spain, where I ministered to the leaders of our church there. And then I went down to Mozambique, Africa, where I was able to preach at four of our seven extensions in Mozambique. And then I took a flight over to New Zealand, where it's one of our newest extensions that we just planted, or took over, whichever way you want to say it, <laughs> and, uh, and then flew back home. And God was gracious. Did you realize that Casey is not just here in Wasilla? Casey, like literally, like right here, like what we just did, Holy Spirit, supernatural signs and wonders happens all over the world. And every month I will be showing you videos of what we're doing in our extensions. But you know, when I was in Mozambique, and as I was traveling even to airports, I noticed the differing cultures of the land. In cultures, there's part of cultures that are good. That I believe that God created cultures to worship God uniquely with their own tongue, their dance, uh, everything that they can worship the Lord with. God created that. But God also says something very different. Jesus says it in Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That God's kingdom could come on planet earth. And that the kingdom of God is not a Jewish kingdom. It's not an American kingdom. It is God's kingdom on earth. I was traveling to Mozambique. And one of the things that really spoke to my heart and quickened me in Mozambique, Africa, they've had the gospel for over a thousand years. Missionaries have come and, and every area of the land has heard the gospel. Except they don't walk in it. They still have kids with bloated bellies because they don't want to boil the water. They live in abject poverty. They die of illness and sickness. They don't understand the power of God or the even, they can't even read the word of God. They don't know the word of God. And it sat in my heart. How is it that the gospel has been here for a thousand years and yet has not changed society, has not brought life, not brought hope, not brought peace? What are we doing? Can you tell I was a little frustrated? <laughs> And I began to pray and cry out, God, even in the place of New Zealand where there was a, a mighty revival that took place, and yet it became religious. And relationship with God was non-existent. It's just about going to church. And it saddened me. And I began to pray going, God, how do we do this? How do we touch the world? How do we not just tell them about Jesus, but we bring your kingdom, prosperity, healing, blessing, Holy Spirit, miracles. How, how do we bring your kingdom on this earth? Well, the first thing that God told me, and I believe it's a word to his church, <laughs> all of us, that in order for God's kingdom to be here on earth, he has to be king. Is Jesus your king? That's a big question. You're all sitting here in church. You're like, hello, pastor. We're here. It's freezing outside. Jesus is our king. <laughs> Ephesians 1.22, God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church. Jesus, in Colossians 1.18, he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. You see, here in the United States, we have this weird concept of democracy. Now, I believe democracy is a blessing from the Lord. But democracy is not God's kingdom. Let me say it again. <clears throat> democracy is not the kingdom of God. See, where the kingdom of God is, there is only 
one king. Now, when you think of medieval times, the king did whatever he wanted. He told people where to go. He took all their land and made them work for him. Right? He killed whoever he wanted to kill. That was the king. And our job was to serve the king. So if Jesus is our king, how are we serving him? You see, in Christianity today, and especially in the United States, we believe that God should serve us. We have this false concept of kingship. Oh yeah, Jesus, you can be my king during Christmas when we talk about king. Oh yeah, he's the king of all kings. Oh, I love that song. It's great. But is he king in your life? Is he king over every area of your life? Supremacy over every area. You see, he is not a democratic king. Many times we ask the Lord and we go, God, this is what I want. In fact, that's all of our prayer life, right? God, I want this. I need a new car. I need a new house. I want you to change my kids. I want you to heal my family. Oh, Lord, I want a new hand. I want a new foot. God, I need you. I want, I want, I want. Not God. What do you want to do through me today? What would you like me to do? Whoa, it's a different concept. God being king. Oh, oh, oh. <clears throat> and I'm going to mess with you already. Are you ready? What about the tithe? The king says, return the 10%. Right. Right. Pastor Daniel didn't create that. Sorry. <laughs> Dr. Morocco didn't create it. God said it. Return the tithe. And how many times, well, you know what, God, you don't really need the tithe this month. You know, I need to fix my tires. I need to fix my car. Oh, my kids have got to go to camp. Is God our king? Is he your king? Do you believe that he is your king? You see, that is the beginning of the kingdom of heaven. It's not about the kingdom of heaven just ruling a church. It is the kingdom of heaven ruling us, ruling every area of us. What are you watching on TV? What are you watching on the internet? Does the king approve? Is it kingdom approved? <laughs> we need a little stamp. You see, so many times we take the one scripture that he is our friend, or we are a friend of God, and we love that song. I love that song. It's a great song. Or we're a son and daughter of the king, which we are. It's a great position of authority he's given us. But we tend to treat Jesus like a friend. Oh, that was a good scripture. I like it. But you know what? I'm going to leave it at church, and I'm going to do what I want to. You don't mind, right, God? You don't mind. Because I want to do what I want to do. And we'll just hang out. I'll talk story with you, but let me live my life. Jesus is king. He is king. If we are going to bring God's kingdom on this earth, God has to be our king. As I began to research and, and study the word of God, man, I got so excited. In fact, I preached my first message on kingdom culture at the cathedral, and I think I preached for an hour long, and I only got through half of my notes. I'm not going to do that today, so don't freak out, okay? <laughs> I got so excited because I wanted to see transformation in my life and in our whole church. And so God said, Janelle, why don't you relax? You know, I was crying on my way home. God, I didn't get to say everything you wanted me to say. And he's like, you have another time to preach. You're going to preach next week so you can preach the second part. <laughs> and you're going to preach next month so then you can preach the next part. And all of a sudden, he started giving me ideas. And I think I've just scratched the surface. One day, I'm going to write a book about it. Kingdom culture. Bringing God's kingdom on earth. Well, he started showing me how we bring the kingdom of God on earth. is through proclamation, to telling people about Jesus. It's about repentance, yeah? It's about discipleship. Can I get an amen? Kingdom culture comes through prayer. Oh, praise God. And the power of God revealed. But there's one key that I want to focus on today. How do we here in Wasilla bring the kingdom of God? I believe one of the key areas is the area of faith. Faith. 
Faith, it says in Hebrews 11, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Dr. Morocco did a whole series on faith. It's called Faith Is. How many of you have heard that series or watched that series? One person. Oh, two people. It's amazing. Dr. Morocco has great faith. And, you know, there are men of great faith, Oral Roberts, Rama Bible Institute, all, all created by men of great faith. I'm going to preach on faith today with the understanding that I am not a woman of great faith. I'm not. Sorry. My father has great faith. And one of these days, I'll get there. Even when my staff are talking to me, Pastor, I got this great idea. Let's do this and this and this and this. I'm like, sounds cool. I don't have the faith for that. Go ask Dr. Morocco. He might have the faith for that. <laughs> I'm human. How many of you have great faith? Okay, how many of you have little faith? Come on, help me, help me, yes. But we're going to have great faith. We're going to move on to great faith. And that's what I told God. I said, God, I can't come from a place of, I've got great faith, follow me. No, but I got little faith. And I want God to help us grow in our faith. So he gave me three principles. Are you ready? Now, Pastor Daniel told me it's a little bit confusing. It's the ABCs of faith. But because I'm very analytical, sorry, and I got to have structure. I'm like line upon line, precept upon precept. That, that's just who I am. So sorry. It's B-A-C. Okay? So it'll confuse you a little bit in your notes. It'll say A, and you're going to have to put a B word. Okay? Think of it this way. I'm going to go back to my little grass shack in old Hawaii. Or we're never going back, but we're moving forward in faith. Amen? Amen? <laughs> Let's have some faith. We see here that Jesus describes the mustard seed in the kingdom of God. Where else does Jesus talk about a mustard seed? He talks about it to his disciples. He said, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move, and it will move from here to there. So Jesus is looking at a, a little bit of faith. I have a little bit of faith. You have a little bit of faith. We can move mountains. Together, we can move large mountains. Amen. The ABC of faith. First thing that we do, A, is B. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Believe on what God says. Everyone say it with me. Believe. How do we increase our faith? We've got to believe. Now, what makes our belief different from the world belief? The world believes a lot. Come on, I believe I can fly. I believe I can touch the sky. Come on, sing it with me. I think about it every night. No, never mind. No, 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 forget it. Forget it. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. Let's all sway together. No, no, just... <laughs> The world believes. They believe a lot. In fact, have you ever thought about evolution? Do you know how much faith it takes to believe in evolution? That somehow through millions of years of time, that some single organism, which we don't know how it started, but somehow this little organism started somewhere and it floated throughout time and space and all of a sudden began to grow and multiply somehow, some way, and then it became a fish or a thingy and... And the thingy became another thingy and grotesque. And you're like, what? <laughs> Have you ever looked at those books going, what? Who came up with this? They believe it. It's easier to believe that there's a God up there who created you. In fact, when you look at the cells, when you look at your blood, even your hands and how we move and breathe, it is a miracle. The, the way we walk, it is a miracle that we can even survive planet Earth. And it's all because of God. But the world believes a lot. What makes our belief different than the world's belief? When some Mormon, when some Jehovah Witness, they believe and believe Buddhists. They believe a lot. They believe a lot. Meditation and another area of enlightenment and peace and joy. Oh, it's going to be wonderful. Free love, 
Remember those days? They believed that everyone could just have free love until all the diseases came out and killed them all. Sorry. This is the second service. <laughs> this is Pastor Janelle Unplugged. All right. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, pull it back. Pull it back. Pull it back. It's the anointing of Pastor Josh on me. That's what it is. Oh, my goodness. What was I talking about? I don't even know. Free love. <laughs> it wasn't free. It took everything. See, the world believes a lot. What makes us different? Is it just another belief out there, another religion? I was talking to a guy on the airplane coming over here. He's like, well, you know, I, I went to church. Okay, that's good. But, you know, Buddhists believe this, and how come they believe that and that? Isn't it all okay as long as we believe? No, it's not. Why? Have you ever thought about it? Why is my belief more important than their belief? Because our belief and our faith has to be on the word of God. It's not based on our feelings. It's not based on our understanding because our understanding fails all the time. Our faith has to be based on the word of God. Our belief is based on his power, his word, not ours. Not even Pastor Bracken's. Not even Dr. Morocco's word. On God's word. Not even the president's word. Our faith has to be founded on God's word. We must believe what God says is true. That is what faith is. We see Abraham, the father of faith. How did he get that way? He started by believing God. When God spoke to him in Genesis chapter 12, God said, go to the place I have for you. Abraham went. He didn't falter. He didn't sit and think about it. He went. Jesus even said in John chapter 7 verse 18, he says, I will only speak what my father says. I will only do what my father is doing. Jesus, God, made flesh, dwelt among us, limit himself to walk as God said, God's word. How come we think we can just do something and God will just cover it up? Oh, it's not that big of a deal. Oh, you said it, so let me see if I can follow you. We got to believe what God says. A is action. Oh, I think I missed something. Faith is based on the word of God so that God gets the glory, not us. I think that's there in your notes. I'm getting too excited over here. <laughs> A, action. Faith without action, belief without action is dead. We cannot have faith unless we have action. Now, Abraham could have stood there and be like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Wow, what great inspiration. Go, go to the land. Oh, that was wonderful. The Lord spoke to me. It was great. And he sat there. And he sat there. That would not be the father of faith. We saw his faith by his action. Even now, you're sitting here, and many of you are going to be, actually probably all of you are going to be at the prophetic conference. You're going to get a word from God. Wow, that was a great word. Did you hear my word? Do you know what I'm going to do for God? Wow, that's a great word. And you sit in your pew and do nothing. And then 10 years down the way, you go, God, what happened? This was a great word. How come it never happened? He says, put it into action. You see, we've got to ignite our faith through our action. Do you really believe what God said? If you believed what God said, you would be doing what God's told you to do. Now, I'm not talking about some ethereal, we're going to go to Mozambique and start another church. Or we're going to go, I don't know, make a boat and sail across the seven seas. I'm talking about basics. Loving your husband, loving your wife, obeying God. Ooh, ooh, ooh. What about the tithe? Mm -hmm, mm. Do you really believe that God wants to prosper you? 
and he's your king, you're going to do it. You're going to put it into action. God, I believe that you're going to bless me and you're going to open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings too deep for me to contain. So I am going to obey you and put my faith into action. You see, that's what ignites our faith. We can believe all we want to believe and sit there and do nothing. But when we act on it, it will ignite us to move forward in God. Show me your faith by your deeds. Show me what you believe. We got to do our part and God does the rest. I've been doing some series of teaching and one of my favorites is on David and Goliath. Can you help me? What was your name again? Barry, come stand over here. Now, how many of you know the story of David and Goliath? David and Goliath is an awesome story. It's one of my faves because it's this kid who has no strength, no ability, no anointing, no authority, nothing. Rejected by his family, rejected by the people, but he loves Jesus. Well, not Jesus, God, <laughs> which is Jesus thousands of years later. Anyway, <clears throat> sorry, <laughs> I think I had too, many co- too much coffee. Whoa. So here we have David, little boy. He kills a lion. He kills the bear. And he comes and he sees this great giant, which is my friend right here. And he is defying the king. He's defying God. He's defying everything that David believes. And David says, no way. I'm standing up for my God. And he has a belief that God is going to use him. So David goes. He activates his faith. And he goes and he grabs the five stones. David comes and he comes before Goliath and he has those five stones in his slingshot. Well, not all of them in his, yeah. Wow, praise Jesus. This is fun. He's got the slingshot going and he runs toward Goliath. Now, if I was David, I would go find a big rock, sling it, and then go find another big rock and sling it, right? How many of you would do that? David runs at Goliath, and he lets the rock fly. Now, all of us knowing science, right, and the laws of motion, if there is a rock in here and I fly it towards him, where is he going to go? All right, there you go. (laughs) But when we read the scriptures, you'll find something very unique, that the giant fell face forward. I was like, God, that don't make no sense. Did he, like, turn around, you know, after he fell back? But he was dead. But how did that work? And I felt like the Lord said, because David did his part. He was a little boy with a stone. God did his part. And I believe he sent an angel that just clocked him upside the head. That's what I believe. Just killed him. Just, like, slapped him silly. Done. And I believe that. Thank you so much. Give him a big hand. When you look at scriptures, it's hilarious to see what God does. Because God takes someone that's unseen, unknown, unability. And he says, if you'll do your part, oh, watch out. I'm going to do my part. Oh, watch out. I'll stand in the gap and do it. We see that with Gideon. Gideon has an army. Well, he really didn't have an army. He was nobody. He was hiding in the threshing floor because that's what they did. They were farmers. He was hiding there, and the angel of the Lord spoke to him and said, Be strong and very courageous. I have called you. And he called him to get a team and a rally, an army. And he did. It's about 10,000 people. And then God said, No, get rid of those. No, get rid of those. And soon he only had 300. 300 men. And they were facing an army of probably about a million people. Now, you have to remember, this army was highly trained. They all had weapons. They all knew how to fight. Gideon knew how to thresh corn, thresh wheat. That's it. These are people who had no training. They were not ninjas. They did not have guns. They didn't even have a sword. And yet God said, I want you to go up on the mountain, get a vase, (laughs) get a torch, get a trumpet. Now, think I'm analytical, so you got to think with me. Okay, so the 
the vase could probably hit one person, right? And maybe the shards hit somebody else, right? I'm a little violent. And then you're going to take the trumpet and you could blow out somebody's eardrums, right? One or two people, maybe if they're standing together. And the torch, you could light a couple people on fire. But by that time, you're probably dead. So you may be injured, not even killed, five people. 300 times five is 1,500 facing a million. No way. So they're there standing on the edge of the mountain. And Gideon says, okay, break your vase, light your torch, and blow your trumpet. They did their little tiny part. They're like making a little symphony, okay? And God came like a roar and destroyed all of the people. They fought against themselves. See, God is looking for people, men and women of faith, who will say, would you believe what I have said? And would you take it into action? You can say, God, there's no way that I can touch the world. There's no way that I can give this much. God, there's no way I can be a life group leader or a ministry leader or help with the kids. I can't do that, God. You do your part. God has to do the rest. Can I get an amen? Amen. So we have believe what God says. Put our faith into action. And third, which I believe is one of the hardest aspects of faith, is C, confident perseverance. Faith is seen through hard times. Faith is faith. <laughs> When it doesn't happen immediately. If faith happened immediately, it would no longer be faith. You wouldn't need faith. It already happened. But what is faith? Holding on and believing that God is going to do it. God is going to intervene in your behalf. Now, I don't know about you, but I've gone through seasons of things not being fulfilled. Well, a lot of seasons of things not being fulfilled. But God intervenes. God intervenes because he is growing our faith. Just like that mustard seed, he plants it deep in your heart, and it grows and becomes big. It doesn't grow overnight. It grows as it is fertilized, as it is watered. It becomes stronger and stronger. Now, sometimes delay is because of us. I, I see <laughs> it's because of our sinful nature, mm-hmm, us and other people. Sometimes there's delay because of that. Sometimes there's delay because of the choices that we've made in the past, the root to fruit and fruit to root patterns. What we sow is what we're going to reap. Sometimes that intervenes in our life. Sometimes it's the devil bringing hindrance after hindrance after hindrance so that we get too tired and our faith wanes. But I believe sometimes faith, and I think sometimes the delay is to allow our faith to grow so that we will have greater and greater, stronger and stronger faith. You see, David, before he went and killed Goliath, he had to defeat the inferiority that his family paced upon him. His family rejected him time and time again. Didn't even see him as a son. Saw him less as a servant. Just go feed the sheep. Just get out of here. They didn't even think of him. David had to overcome that rejection. David had to overcome and kill the lion. And then he had to kill the bear. That was all before God brought him to even Goliath. You see, there are circumstances in our life sometimes that are of God. That he has placed in our path to see, are you going to wait? Are you going to hold on? Are you going to have faith? Or are you going to run away? What if David decided to run away from his family and said, forget it. I hate them. I'm leaving. He would have never met Goliath. What if he had just forgiven his family and went to see Goliath? Would he have had the faith to kill Goliath? No, because he didn't have the lion and he didn't have the bear. See, those obstacles in his life increased his faith. That is what God has for each and every one of us. He wants us to increase our faith and grow. Though it tarries, wait for him. 
Father Abraham, the father of faith, you realize that faith of Abraham started when God spoke the word and the promise to Abraham. And it took 25 years before the son of promise came. 25 years between the promise of God and the fulfillment. How many of us have held on to faith that long? That's hard. That's very hard. But God said you can do it. He has men and women of faith in this place. And it's you. It's you. He's called you to touch the world. He's called you to touch your family. He's called you to operate in signs and wonders and miracles. It's not just Pastor Daniel and Pastor Karen. It's you. Was that loud enough for you? When you go to Sears, you go lay hands on people. When you go to the hospital, when you go in your workplace and somebody's, oh, my pain. Can I pray for you? What if God has called you to be that light shining in the darkness of Wasilla? To shine so bright that people come and flock to what God is doing through you. See, God is waiting on us to ignite our faith. And how do we bring his kingdom of God on this planet through faith? We do it through what? Believing on what God says. Secondly, what? Putting it into action. And third, confident persevering. <laughs> Perseverance. Are you still with me today? We get to advance God's kingdom personally through faith. Through faith. I believe that God has called each and every one of you because you're here today to be a part of the vision of this house. What is the vision of KC? It's the one, two, three. Are, are you, all right, so let's say it together. Ready? What is the vision of KC? One, two, three. 100 churches throughout the United States. I believe we have 54 right now. So we got a double. Then our next one, number two, is 200 churches internationally. Right now, we have about 98. Whoo, I got a big job ahead of me. Praise Jesus. With 30,000 disciples. You see, that doesn't just happen by the passion of your pastors. It happens with the passion of you. In your workplace, in your family. What call that God has called you to. It's when we come and gather together in our faith that God is glorified and he is magnified. So this is what I need you to do. God's going to do something really great. And I believe it with all my heart. I want you to ask yourself three questions. And ushers, would you come pass out the circle, circle cards? Does everybody have a circle card? I got the ushers. At the wrong moment. <laughs> the ushers are handing out this circle card. Millions for missions. Now we're believing as KC that we will give a million dollars to missions this year. Last year I think we gave about 600,000. A million. Anybody have faith? Wait, wait, wait. Anybody got faith? Amen. You see, God wants to use Casey Wasilla to touch the world. Now, this missions offering goes to over 23 uh, missionaries through the Assemblies of God that are not a part of Casey. They're independent missionaries with the Assemblies of God. We also support missionaries from other organizations and all of our missionaries. In fact, I have a missionary board that I'm going to give your pastor this afternoon. And you can see all of our people and our missionaries that we support and pray for them. Now, I was talking with Pastor Daniel. Do you want to tell him or you want me to tell him? I was talking to Pastor Daniel, and we started praying about what, what could be the goal from Casey Wasilla. And we were talking, and Pastor Daniel believes that Casey Wasilla is generous and that they're going to give $150,000 to missions. Wow, that was a really weak amen. It was. <laughs> Let's pray right now. Hallelujah. <laughs> 
I think I preached too long. Praise the Lord. What time is it? I don't know. I got too excited. It's time to do something for God. It's time to activate what you believe. You believe in the one, two, three. Now it's time to put some faith to your action. And let's see what God can do. You know, just about two weeks. It's been about two weeks. I've had people calling me from Jamaica that want to join KC, from Samoa, from Malaysia, and from, what was the other place? Brazil, Laos, Cambodia, that they want to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, that they need revival in their land, and they're like, wow, we want to become a part of KC. God can do it. And God can use you as KC Wasilla to bring forth another 150,000. What? No. Did I say that right? 150,000 over this next year. One year. This year. Not right now. Not right now. If you have it, you can want to drop it in. Yeah, if you want to put it in. One million, just drop it in the bucket. (laughs) But uh, while you're doing that, I want to ask you three questions. Number one, what could you do? What could you do to advance missions? And I'm not talking about not paying your car bill so you can advance missions, okay? But what could you do? Secondly, what could you live without? Say, Pastor, you know what? I'm going to give up a pizza a week for world missions. I'm going to give up that coffee. One day a week, my Monday coffee, I'm going to give to world missions. And you start sacrificing for people so that they can share the gospel. In people to their native tongue. You know, when I was in Mozambique, they were talking, they were translating my message from English to Portuguese, from Portuguese to Senna, or then even Shana. Whoa. Just trying to communicate the word of God to the people. There's so much we can do for the kingdom of God. And thirdly, what is the Lord speaking to you right now? I want you to ask the Lord, every head bowed, every eye closed. I want you to ask the Lord. What would he have you, as a measure of faith, give to missions, to give to world missions? Maybe it's $10 every month. Maybe it's $100 every month. What will you give? God wants to use us, and God's going to speak to you right now. I'm going to pray over you. Lord, I pray right now for your people. I pray that you would open up their ears to hear. Lord, that they would begin to take that step of faith for missions. That they will believe that you can do beyond, beyond, that you're going to bring finances from unexpected resources. Show them what they can give in Jesus' name. One of our pastor friends in Perth, Australia, told me about a young boy. They were doing a mission Sunday just like today. And the pastor had done the commitment cards like you have in your hand. And uh, one of the little boys, he was seven years old, filled one out. And the pastor went into his office and was counting up, you know, the, the commitments for that year. And he saw the little boy's card. And he saw all the zeros. And he's like, oh, that poor little boy, he doesn't know what he's talking about. And he put it off to the side, thinking he put too many zeros when he was filling it out. Well, the next Sunday, that little boy and his mother started selling cookies. And every birthday at Christmas time, he saved every dollar he could. And by the end of the year, when they looked at his giving, he had given over $10,000 to World Missions. If a little boy of seven years old has enough faith for that, what could we do? What could we do? God wants you to step out in faith. I want you to grab your card right now, and I want you to write it down, what you're believing God to saying for you this year to give to World Missions. Also, I believe the ushers are handing out this card. Oh, I like that one better. That one must have been designed by Minister David. Super cool. Wow, Minister David, I want some. See, this is mine, and this is Minister David's. <laughs> Praise God for Minister David. You got this card right here. Now, I need your help. 
I need you to pray for me. <laughs> These are my mission trips that I'm planning on going um, this year. That's my itinerary. So if you could pray, put this on your refrigerator and just pray for me. I am traveling. My goal is to do 12 nations this year and hopefully add some new extensions to the mix. So pray, would you pray for me? How many you say, Pastor, I'm going to pray for you? Okay, wait, I need more. Pastor, I'm going to pray for you. <laughs> Amen. Amen. If you'd like to go on a missions trip, uh, you can email me. All of that information is on there. Well, are you ready to give? Oh, ushers, can you help me? Let's hand out the offering envelopes. Everybody got an offering envelope? I want you to see this, what we're doing in Philippines. Worldwide Missions. Your giving is making a difference. Here is our featured missions this month, KC Philippines. card in your bulletin. Fill it out with what you're believing God to flow through you to KC Worldwide Missions this year. Thank you so much for your giving. It is making a difference. We will have 100 extensions in the United States. We will have 200 extensions overseas, internationally. And we will minister as disciples 30,000 people. We are called to go. To serve. To give. To pray. Help KC Worldwide Missions reach its goal because... That is going to happen. Amen. Would you stand to your feet? I want us to lift up our envelope, or if you got your phone and you're doing the text to give, you can text to give to missions. We're going to give. And what I want you to do right now, after the sermon on faith, I know each and every one of us have things that we're believing God for. And maybe you've been waiting for a long time. Maybe there's healing that you've been believing for, or your family to get saved, or jobs. I want you to lift up your hand right now to the Lord. And we're going to believe that as we activate our faith for the least of these, for the world, that God would intervene on our behalf. Amen? And what we're believing Him for. Come on, let's pray right now. Lord, we come before you right now. Lord, I pray for your people. Holy Spirit of God, I pray, even as these ignite their faith and give toward world missions, give toward the least of these, God, that you would intervene upon their behalf as they are taking this step of faith, that you are going to increase them, multiply them, bring healing, deliverance. Oh, God, come, come right now. Intervene, Lord, intervene. Lord, I pray right now as they are giving and as they make this commitment of faith that you would increase them. You would bring in finances unexpectedly. You would give them raises. God, and even to the measure of their faith that you would increase them, I pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Let's give. Amen. Ushers, go ahead. You go before us, behind us. Yes, you Touch the nations. Use KC to touch the nations.
head bowed, every eye closed. We're just about done with this service this morning. Don't miss tonight, six o'clock, but never want to close the service without giving an opportunity for people to get right with God. So would you examine your heart, those online, those here in the sanctuary? If you died today, God forbid, but we're all going to die someday. If today you were to die, would you go to heaven? If you've never given your life to Jesus, then you don't have that assurity. You don't have the promise that you will. Man is given but one life to live, and after that, the judgment. Jesus came that he might have life and life to the full, life abundantly. To as many as received him, the word of God says, he gave them the right to become children of God. You're made his child by repenting and believing on Jesus and making him your Lord, your God, your King. He washes you, cleanses you, forgives you because of the blood. Not because you're nice, you don't go to heaven because you're nice. You get, you get to go to heaven because of justice. Justice was served. You deserve death, so did I. Justice was served on Jesus. He died in our place. So if that's you and you want to give your life to Jesus for the first time or you need to recommit because you drifted, you know you drifted. You, you, you're not where you used to be. Maybe you've got compromise. Or maybe the enemy just lies to you and you just want to be assured that you're going to heaven. Whatever the case may be, every head bowed, every eye closed. You say, that's me, Pastor. You, fit, you want to give your heart to Jesus first time? Want to recommend it? You just want to be sure if that's you. Would you lift your hand right now? Just go ahead. Lift your hand right now. Say, that's me, Pastor. God bless you. I see that hand. Anybody else on this side? Good. I see that hand. Thank you, sir. God bless you. I see that hand. Pray, pray with me. We'll all pray right out loud. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die in my place to rise again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin and come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Wash me and cleanse me. Make me new. Thank you for loving me. And thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, I pray.